0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Altitude Collective podcast. Our goal is to elevate conversations around all the things that usually keeps us in the mud, fighting over misunderstandings and causing division. We have so much more in common within the human experience and this podcast aims to bring those conversations around those ideas and topics. Today, James Tully joins us to talk on being the media. James is a news anchor for ABC Action News in the Tampa Bay television market, the number one market in Florida. We have a robust conversation about what got him into the news, what it's like doing the news, and the responsibility he feels as a news anchor. Oh, and yep, we talk about fashion, where he and I first connected as friends. The conversation is everything I hoped it would be and everything I dreamt of learning about news anchors, and I hope you will enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Here's James Tully. I'm so, uh, so pumped that you're here. Uh, I've been watching you for the last couple of years and um, just love uh, how how uh, awesome you are on Uh, ABC Action News. Thank you. Morning, you are my morning anchor. Good. Uh, And so, a lot of uh, friends are really excited about you doing the uh, the podcast. In fact, I had a friend here yesterday who uh, talked about uh, you. Doing kind of some compassion stories mm-hmm. uh, recently and how he just really enjoyed that. He lives out in Lakeland and uh, so he was really excited about you Excellent. being here. So, but before we get into all of the stuff dealing with uh, your job, your career, why don't you tell the listeners
1: about who you are? Oh, I just hope I'm interesting enough. <laughs> I am the morning anchor at ABC Action News. Uh, fortunate enough to be an Emmy Award winner. Uh, used to do sports, but we'll talk about that, I guess, in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Grew up in central Pennsylvania, south-central Pennsylvania. York, Pennsylvania is my hometown. Do you know the, uh, the barbell company, York Barbells? Yeah. They make them there. That's York. York's also known as the snack food capital of the country. Okay. We have Snyder's of Hanover, okay. snack foods, Utz Chips has some, uh, some, some roots there. And yeah, so it's amazing that I, I still uh, you know keep my figure I still, you know, I've got the love handles I'm trying to shake after the holiday weight and the caloric intake that went up a bit. But, yeah, so we grew up with some great snack foods. And, unfortunately, we need to work on the potato chip game down here. I'm a little worried about the potato chip game in, in, in Tampa really? Bay. What, what do you mean? I'm not sure we have the best potato chips down here, Miko. We need to we need to get an influx of some good stuff. Now, there's an Amish store in Largo. Okay.
0: And
1: I don't know if you knew about this. No. There is. There's an Amish store that has all of my favorites that I grew up with. Because York is basically a, a, very close to Amish country. Yeah. I got my Lebanon Bologna there. I've got my Utz ruffled potato chips, and there's nothing like that in the world. Waffle, ruffle, whatever. They're delicious. The, you can't compete with those. And then the other thing, the the most fantastic dessert is the shoe fly pie. What is that? That is molasses, brown sugar, and dough pie. Amish. I mean, that that just sounds like pure sugar. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Doctors love it. Uh, That's where I grew up. And, you know, I can't say I had the most exciting childhood. I will say that, you know, I don't miss driving by farms a lot and acres and acres of corn. And uh, I can tell you that there are certain types of Things they put on those fields that can uh, smell worse than other things. I don't miss that either. Uh, you know, and I, I just um, loved sports growing up. Uh, played a lot of sports. Uh, I was also a pretty nerdy kid. I played piano for 10 years. And I got myself into a decent private school. York College of Pennsylvania. Didn't stray too far from home. Was not a great student in high school either. I probably... I had a, my imagination sometimes got the best of me, and I don't think I paid attention the best. I wasn't a great test taker. also wasn't a good studier, so you combine, combine those two things, and I wasn't really cut out to uh, cut my teeth in a, in a prestigious school. Not to knock on York, because York was a private college, and I got in there, and I didn't have to really jump over a lot of people to live in the radio station, the TV station at the college. And I always had an interest in it. You know, I had an interest in doing public speaking and uh, I just thought I'd take it to the next level and try. Radio seemed cool, like doing radio, talking into a microphone. You know, as you can tell, I like to babble and talk a lot anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it fits me perfectly. TV station too, but I, I could live in there. Yeah. I didn't have, a, there wasn't a lot of competition. So, yeah. you know, in hindsight, the best thing I could have possibly done was go to a small school yeah. and it worked out.
0: Yeah. Uh, what were you, uh, during your childhood or college college age years uh, what were you listening to as far as the radio is concerned or watching that kind of uh, helped uh, spark this kind of passion you
1: know, it's funny I used to listen to local sports talk radio when yeah. I was a little kid yeah. like 9 10 11 I was a huge Baltimore Orioles fan and I used to actually have the guts to call in and you'd hear me I would sounded like a talking fetus I mean my voice was so high <laughs> And they knew it was a little kid calling him, but I knew my stuff. You know, I knew my, I knew my, I knew Rafael Palmero's batting average. You know, I knew Bobby Bonilla's home runs that he had. And uh, I really would love, I'd look forward to it. Saturday mornings, I'd, I'd call into the same sports talk show. Yeah. And I felt a little something there. It gave me a little bit of, uh, uh, what do you, I don't know what you call it. Like a, like a passion, like a passion fired up, like an interest. Like this really got me energized. It got me going. I felt like I was accomplishing something, like I was doing something. And I think that's where it started to grow okay. a little bit. My, my desire to be in front of a camera, in front of a mic. It wasn't an egotistical thing. It wasn't needing to be the center of attention. It was, I liked it. It did something for me. Yeah. It gave me a drive. It gave me energy. Yeah. And that I couldn't say sports didn't, didn't, that didn't do it for me. Yep. You know, there's no subject in school yep. that, that got me fired up like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did you uh, feel, so clearly you're an extrovert? I would say you would say, okay. Yeah. So, do you think that helped you to really kind of uh, step into this kind of public speaking world and not have nerves or talk to me a little well, bit? Well, it's about interesting
1: that. because I did a story with Our Lady of Lords Catholic School, yes. which is in Pinellas County here, and they have a program where they make all they require all of their students, uh, starting in the first grade, to start playing the violin, and what they've noticed is that their test scores have gone through the roof because the violin's a very difficult instrument to learn and these kids are fantastic. It's a great story. I did a feature story on ABC Action News that I'll send you the link to, you know, as I get my shameless plug in there. (laughs) They've also noticed these kids are really good at speaking in front of groups. And the idea behind that is, is that when you're playing recitals and you're performing an instrument in front of a large group of people, you naturally get more comfortable in front of a large group of people, and speaking is the next phase of that. Or some would argue instruments would be the next phase, but you can go either way. I mentioned I played piano for 10 years. I wasn't particularly very good. And when I was, I played from five to 15, and my mom said, give me 10 years, and then you can quit. She said, you'll regret it the rest of your life, but you can quit. And she was right. It's one of my biggest regrets. Mm -hmm. And it's something I look forward to getting into here in 2020, getting back into. Um, Because I didn't think it was cool. You know, there were baseball and there were girls. And there was going to the mall on nights I should have been practicing. Or there was doing whatever my friends and I used to do, you know, pal around, (laughs) hang out at the local ice cream shop. We really did have that. Um, And it sounds like (laughs) 1950s. I promise you this was late 90s. Uh, But, yes, that's what we did. And and, uh, I gave up. I uh, gave up piano. But I had to do recitals. You know, I would do recitals a couple times a year and perform a piece that I had worked on in front of a pretty large group of people. You know, 100, uh, over 100 people. I played the piano at a couple of uh, things we had at school, a couple of um, programs that, like holiday programs, my music teacher that I had in elementary school and then in middle school, they really liked me because they saw me thinking outside the box and at least giving it a shot and wanting to do it and they'd give me the opportunity to play. That, I think, is what, move me into that next phase of public okay. speaking and being comfortable doing it. I mean, what nine-year-old kid in the right mind wants to call into a radio yeah. station, a right. local guy, you right. know, yeah. and, and, and talk about that stuff? So I think that's where that started made me comfortable. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it just it clicked. I'm not sure if that's the reason it gave me the drive and the fire to do all that stuff, yeah. but I could do it. And I also noticed that my peers couldn't. Got it. it made them horribly nervous. I mean, they say, like, next to public speaking, the biggest fear is dying. Yeah. And sometimes it's, the other way around. People yeah. would rather die yeah, right. than actually go up and speak in front of a group of, of, uh, of people. Yeah. And I noticed that and I thought, okay, this sets me apart and I'd be a real fool not to go after it. Yeah. So I just always tried to find opportunities to speak in front of, yeah. do some kind of public speaking. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what was the first opportunity that you got uh, in the news world?
1: So I, was, I graduated when the economy had absolutely tanked. And I had done really, really well in my communications department at school. And I have a mass communications major. I don't have a journalism major. Mass communications, I minored in, in speech. But I really cut my teeth in journalism with my internships. So I interned at CBS 21 in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I would eventually go on to work for them years later. But I had also interned at Comcast Sportsnet in Philadelphia, a station that I grew up watching. It wasn't Comcast, it was something else, but it was that NBC Sports station, a 24-hour sports station, and it was Comcast when I went there, now it's NBC. And between those two internships, I could follow around reporters and really sit in the back of a news car while they went and gathered their stories, whether it's sports or hard news. General Assignment Reporting in Harrisburg, I remember following several of their reporters every night. And watching them gather their elements and interview their subjects and then cut their packages together and be in a news truck and feverishly writing, logging their interviews and and figuring out what what sound bite am I going to put here or here or here. If I hadn't done that, I would not have had the success I had in my first opportunity. So I sent out as many resumes as I could possibly, uh, as I possibly could. I sent them, this right after I graduated, I sent them the stations that were hiring, I sent them the stations that were not hiring, and I got one callback from TV3 Winchester, TV3, they were an ABC affiliate, Winchester, Virginia, which is a small little town, about two hours south of where I grew up in York, and they had this, basically a glorified bureau that was part of the Harrisonburg, Virginia market, I'm losing your audience because nobody cares. (laughs) It was small, Miko, is yeah, what I'm trying to tell yeah. you. It was so small, I don't think it registered in the, D, in the designated market. Gotcha. It, I don't think it had a designated market. It was so small. Gotcha. But you know what? All you need in life is somebody to give you a chance. Yeah. That's it. And they did. And the general manager there, Terry Lloyd, I will always owe her. Because she's the first person who hired me and got me in. Yeah. And when I was there, I just decided I was going to do as many different things as I could. Yeah. You know, there's a pyramid philosophy that uh, someone much smarter than me once told me about. And the idea is, is that when you're in a career, whether, if, whether you're 20 years old or you're 50, you start a new career, you need to build the base of the pyramid. You have to learn everything about it. And as you grow in the career, you start to center yourself on one particular thing until you get to the top. Right. And then you've found out exactly you're excelling in that one thing in, right. that, in that career. So that was TV3 was the base of the pyramid for me. Yeah. Did everything on air and off air. You know, lugged, lugged all my camera, schlepped all my camera equipment around. I used to go in the back. I was, a, I would uh, do all the things behind the scenes. I would punch the board, punch up shows. I would operate the audio equipment. All things that benefited me later in my career. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you look back at that time uh, fondly.
1: I do. Okay. I do.
0: Uh, were there any major missteps that you took?
1: Oh, okay. Nico, I've made missteps every step of the way. Okay. Every step of the way. Uh, the one thing, though, breaking in in little TV3 Winchester is how close I became with my colleagues. Um, built some tremendous friendships there because we were all in the same position. We were all making very, very low wages. Yeah. And it's funny because people would see you on TV and they'd think that you'd make a lot more money than oh, you do. They, they had they no idea. Made a lot of mistakes. It cut my teeth. I mean, you're learning. And you know what? You want to make your mistakes there. You want to make them in a smaller city, yeah. away from home, away from people, anybody you know who might be watching. Um, but you grow from it and you learn. And you'd rather have you know, you'd rather have a news director slap you on the wrist for something that you make a mistake with journalistically than yeah. fire you. And that's what that is what was going to happen in Winchester. And that's why it was a great place to start.
0: And so, uh, are you the kind of guy that uh, whenever these mistakes happen, and you know, uh, maybe somebody slaps you on the hand <laughs> plenty of times? Are you are are you the kind of guy that immediately learns from those mistakes? I try to be.
1: Okay. I try to be. I always try and turn the mirror on myself and step in front of the tracks and, and yeah. take the blame and, and take the brunt of it and say I'll be better. You know, it's. It, I, I try to be that person. I try not to. I'm not a pass the buck kind of guy. If there's a mistake made and I feel like I had any part in it, I'm gonna accept any and all discipline that has to come from it. I just learned. It also. It also really shuts things. <laughs> shuts down the arguments. Yeah. You know, when you say, "All right, that was that was my fault. Right. I need to be better there." Right. And if my supervisor has a problem with it. You tell them to come talk to me. and We'll, we'll work it out. But it's my fault. And you tell them it's mine. Yeah. It's amazing how that snuffs out arguments and stops things in their tracks. <laughs> right, you know? right. No, I, I try to, to turn the mirror on myself. And yeah, and yeah absolutely. That's okay. benefited me greatly in yeah. my career. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So let's fast forward a little bit. How yeah, please. Get, did, like, <laughs> no one's still listening to this. <laughs> how did you get down to Tampa Bay?
1: So I got down to Tampa Bay. So after Winchester, I worked in Tulsa. I took a job out in Tulsa, which I thought at the time I thought was a great big mistake because I was driving 24 hours <laughs> straight <laughs> between my, my girlfriend at the time and myself uh, in a giant moving truck, not knowing really what I was doing. But they gave me an opportunity to do sports out there. Okay. And I liked the idea of going to... Uh, a place where there were two huge college teams and the Oklahoma city thunder. And, uh, I thought it was a great opportunity. I did weekend sports in Tulsa and I started to get really concerned when you're driving through really rural areas where it doesn't even seem like things are growing anymore. Like it just, I was like, there's not even vegetation here in this outer part of Missouri. Where in God's name am I, where am I going? You know? Uh, but it wasn't a mistake. From Tulsa, I went to Harrisburg back home. Because I always want to work in my home market. Okay. Well, and Harrisburg covered the York region. And then I got a chance. I had two grandmothers who were still alive. They got a chance to turn on the TV and watch. And I always thought that was really cool. Except one grandmother watched our competition. And oh. I caught her. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> said, habits. Habits are tough. And she would turn me on, then she'd turn on channel eight. I'm like, what are you doing yeah, here? Yeah. They already are beating us in the ratings and you're helping? Oh, Come okay. on, Nana. No, she no, she's she's very proud. She did watch a lot, but I did. Yeah. It was weird. I was getting ready to leave TV. Because even in Harrisburg, I wasn't making the kind of money that I think I needed to to start to have a life that I wanted. Yeah. And I had a, a, my best friends in the whole world. I would watch them. You know, they're married, buying houses, um, having kids. And uh, I'm wondering exactly how I'm going to pay down a credit card bill and make rent. Yeah. And I've been in the business for, you know the, at that point, almost a decade And it just is where we were with television news. It wasn't paying what it paid 10 years prior, what it paid 15, 20 years prior. So I was in a position where I was um, starting to really contemplate my future. And not to make this sound like a Horatio Alger story or some kind of, you know, I don't want you to think I watched too many PG-13 rom-coms or something before I came over. But it was one of those things where I was doing just a random story about three months before my contract was up in Harrisburg, and I assumed that I'm going to move on to something. And I was looking into doing something in public relations. My mom has a, consult- a consulting business, a consulting firm. I was looking at working for her, at least, and then figuring out what I'd do next. I got a call from a guy who was my news director in Tulsa, the place I didn't want to go. And he was the news director here in Tampa. Wow. And he said, what do you think about weekend mornings? And I said, Matt, I think it sounds terrible <laughs> because I had just gotten done, got done working weekends every place I had been. And I was done working yeah. weekends. Right. And work weekend mornings? What are you kidding me? Am I going to have less of a life than I have now? Is that possible? But he said, just why don't you let me fly you down and you can see the station. I can talk to you about the job. And I said, okay, sounds good. And that's when I met who would be one of my favorite people I've ever worked in news with, Lindsay Logue uh, and we anchored together for the next year. Um, obviously I took the job and, uh, the, I didn't realize Tampa was the biggest television market in all of Florida. Didn't know that, mm-hmm. which means it's a much bigger, it's a, we're a top 11 market. Now we are number 11. I like to say top 11. Um, that's pretty big. Yeah. And with bigger markets, that means I'm going to be able to be where I want to be in my personal life with my finances and everything. And, uh, very grateful so uh wasn't the only reason but i saw that you know i had a moment i didn't want to leave home i was close to my family loved my family and it was difficult i remember the feeling i had when i packed up that moving truck to go to tulsa and now i'm doing it again in harrisburg to come down to tampa and i had a moment where i really didn't want to do it and then i thought well you know it's a fork in the road thing right what do you do you know, you get to the end, and you can go one way or the other way. There's no rearview mirror in my world. But I thought, well, I've, put, I've invested everything. Uh, my working life, I've invested in television. So what do I do? You're going to turn around now? This is what you put in all this time for. You've earned this. You need to go down there and work in a major market and see how you do. And I did. I went for it. And that's how I came to Tampa Bay.
0: How are you doing?
1: Well. Good really happy. Really grateful. Um, worked here for a year. Uh, had an opportunity. They moved me onto the main show. Uh, accepted the promotion in uh, two thousand and seventeen, uh, and I've been anchoring alongside Dia and Greg since then. Yeah. And it's been it's been great. It's the opportunity I wanted, you know, because yeah. I'd also never been the main guy. I never I never had the opportunity to be the main person, even in Winchester. I I, you know, I was doing so many things. I never had a chance to be like the evening anchor yeah. or the main sports guy I was everywhere I was always doing news and sports or whatever so that's that's how that came to be yeah. okay. so you kind of feel like okay everything you went through everything the, 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 all the traveling all the holidays you worked all the time you spent away from family uh, this is what it this you, you. this is this is what I've worked for yeah. so it's a, it's a good feeling it really is
0: so as a news anchor, what are some things that we may not know about
1: hmm.
0: your job?
1: Right. So the I would say how little time we prep for a four-hour newscast in the morning might startle some people. So we, we go in the air at 5 o'clock. I get in the office at 3. Um, and then uh, we've got to look through, you know, hour and a half, two hours worth of scripts in that time. Uh, I have a great team of producers. People may not know about men wearing makeup. Um uh, we also put that on ourselves. Uh, I'm very good at it. I don't really want to talk to you about blush, but we can if you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, I will say uh, how important, people may not know how important it is, at least this is the way I see it, to cultivate a real friendly atmosphere behind the scenes and let that transfer over the air. Because you, I don't want to fake it. I don't. I mean, Dia is somebody who I absolutely look up to. But she's also, we have this big... Big sister, little brother type of relationship. And there's it's important that, you know, we understand each other. It was very important to me in the beginning that we understand that we both have different lives, but have different interests. Maybe we have different views on things, but we can come together and we can we can be beside each other and stand next to each other and, and do four hours of news and it, it, can, it can work really well. Yeah. So it all comes down to spending time with each other, understanding each other. Same thing with Greg, who's like my t- my TV brother. Uh, it just was really important to have all of those things come together. Uh, Sarah Finney, our traffic anchor, who's so talented, you know, she's somebody else. I want to make sure. you know So when I when I made the decision to stay here even longer, all these people got a phone call from me. you know yeah. I, wanted, I wanted them to I wanted them to know that I want to do this, but only if you want me to. Yeah I want to know how you feel yeah. about me. you know that was all that stuff's really it's very important yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it's interesting, uh, so talking to you as a viewer uh, of your show, you know, you guys are my morning people. Uh, Sarah, you know, she gets... You're damn right we are. <laughs> <laughs> she gets me through traffic, not that I have a huge uh, commute. <laughs> she's good, isn't she? she? But she's so good. And, yeah. she, and even when traffic is the worst, uh, she seems to just keep it light and you know, uh, put some hope in your heart that, you know, you're going to make it. You're going to make it through, through the day. Okay? Well,
1: her smile goes a long way yeah. when things aren't going too well out there. Yeah. She's like, listen, just work with me here. Yeah. Okay, either you can listen to a podcast this morning or you can make another <laughs> cup of coffee yeah. or yeah. grab your lunch right now and yeah. head out the door as soon yeah. as you can. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then I also notice uh, that, especially recently, and I don't know what it is, uh, but you seem to uh, try to get Greg into a lot of trouble. Right. Uh, especially when you're, and I don't know the terminology, so I may be saying this sure, wrong. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but when you're, when you're passing it to him, you might have just come out of a story, mm-hmm. and then we're going into weather. Um, you will say something, and <laughs> you will watch him struggle to not answer you <laughs> for fear that he may offend someone. Mm-hmm. And it is the funniest thing to me.
1: I remember so the one the one thing that comes to mind that really had me Greg's so quick he's he's very very uh, smart and he's the king of segues yeah. he can take anything and go with it and work it into his weather so I would have to say I rarely see him struggle yeah. and we had a story uh, that I gotta believe was somewhere close to the Bay Area and what happened was lightning had struck a sewer line and these people, their toilet had exploded in their house into a million pieces because lightning hit the, hit the pipe, shot the electric current all the way up to the toilet. Oh kaboom. Gosh. Nobody was hurt. But we had footage of it. Yeah. And it was, you know, a light type of thing. Everyone, you know. Once in a while, you can have a little toilet humor in the newscast, right? But I remember I sent it to Greg, and he said something that I almost spit out my coffee. He said something to the effect of, he's like, well, I really want to know what Mexican restaurant they went to, so I never go there, or or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, somebody had Mexican last night. It was really funny. Um, But it's also something that I think you can chuckle at, and it's like, okay, fine, maybe that's a little much, but it was funny. Uh, Greg is uh, very good, very good at that. Um, We also make fun of how much he he loves to try out different food, and he's always hungry for something or whatever else. And he's always uh, pushing sweets and sugar and stuff on me, He knows I try to avoid it, but he knows I have this instant gratification problem where if it's in front of me, I'm going to eat it. I'm just going to. I'm going to. So it's a good relationship. He and I have the back and forth thing. And he'll... And you know, I'm kind of a little brother of the show too. They like to take shots at me and and poke me and everything, but I'm cool with it because if it works on air and people like watching and they're okay with it, because it's really when you're doing a morning show, so it has to be personality based to a point because you have to like the people you're watching. Right. You know, I mean, this the news relatively, is going to be the same on every station, the yeah, stories. Yeah. And the way that they're presented and covered, for the most part, it should be the same on all, all five of your options here in Tampa Bay. The reason you watch is for the people. Yeah. you know. And if I can be relatable, um, come off as a humble person somewhat, I would hope, <laughs> self-deprecating, <Yeah. laughs> likable, like maybe I could have a beer with that guy sometime, yeah. that's the goal there. Yeah. That's the goal. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So what about wardrobe? Because one of the things mm. I think you and I connected on um, at first was <laughs> yeah. your love of suits. Right. And just the style that you portray on the show. So right. Who chooses that? Do you? Do I do. Okay.
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Again, learning from some mistakes. You know, I, I for a long time, I, was not, I didn't know what I was doing, buying suits or figuring out what works well. So finally, I had a really good meeting with a style consultant. And you have to be careful, I I love all the style consultants I've ever worked with, as a disclaimer here, but when you meet with them, and they're specifically a a television anchor style consultant, don't listen to everything they're telling you because you're going to look like every other anchor, right? Right. So have a little bit of yourself in there. But I did learn the importance of when you should buy slim cut suits and how you should get them tailored and why having a majority of the time wearing a white shirt with a tie that pops is smarter than going with some, you know, darker shirt color or darker uh, tie color, uh, just to be careful with that stuff. Again, I can just feel people turning this off, like, what are we doing? <laughs> no, about. this is
0: stuff people want to know. Yeah,
1: that's, it's, that's that's really important. I mean, it was, you know, you look good, you feel good, right? And Greg is a big pocket square kind of guy. And, you know, I, I remember wearing one one day and I saw... I. I I was watching like a, a, a quick replay of a certain segment we did and we were all four at the desk and I thought, well, when I have the square in and Greg's got the square in? That looks really sharp, the four of us. So, yeah, borrow that from him. I, I do like to once in a while wear a pocket square when it's appropriate, when it's not too outlandish or whatever and it looks, you know, somewhat conservative. You also don't want to come off as, you, you don't want to be too, um, do I do not want to put it? I don't want to look like the great Gatsby out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to, Still, you know, important to have a nice fitting suit. I don't have to like look like James Bond, right? But at the same time, it's got to look clean, got to look good, yeah. You know, that's important, yeah.
0: And your sock game is thank you, yeah. I mean, when you're, doing, when you're doing the segments with the dog and they show, That's important, yeah, yeah. 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 So I get yeah. that. Well, you know,
1: you know, you tailor with what's called a full break, so when you sit down, you're gonna have a little bit of that showing, so right. you gotta have the sock game's got to be on point, right? Absolutely, right. polish the shoes too, yeah. Because I had a viewer one time message me and say, Hey. next time you do a dog segment, you can see your shoes, polish them. I'm like, thank you for the advice, sir. I'll make sure I do that. Right. Because they'll let you know. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah.
0: So uh, I (laughs) want to talk to you about the prompter as well. Mm. Because I always find this fascinating, uh, you guys reading from the prompter. And I know recently something happened in the studio and you didn't have
1: Mm. the prompter. That's right.
0: So how easy is it working with the prompter? And then what was that like when you guys weren't able to do that?
1: Well, you... Okay, so we don't have printed out paper scripts. Uh-huh. That's, but don't do that anymore. What I have is I have an iPad or I've got a laptop like you have in front of you uh-huh. that basically logs right into our system and I can bring up any script I need to and I can okay. follow along as I'm going. Okay. The issue is, is that we're not always at the desk where the computer is. Sometimes we venture out into other parts of the studio and we do different presentations of stories there. Yeah. Uh, we have a big giant monitor shot we do. Where we have a digital dashboard social center where we can actually touch the screen and move it around <laughs> whatever else. So this happened recently where we have, a, we have a prompter that likes to turn upside down. The, the words do. Oh. It's very weird. Okay. Now, when you, the way a prompter is set up, actually, there's a mirror. Yep. You, you understand how yep. this works, right? So what happens is it, it reverts to regular. Got it. Because then the mirror would make it appear upside down. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? So it's always Ooh. flipped on the screen. Right. And the mirror projects it right side up. Right. This one flipped. You can't read words upside down, Miko. You just can't do it. So it was there, and I just, you know, I like to say our show starts at 5, and I wake up around 6.30. You know what I mean? I'm finally awake at 6.30. Sure. So I realized, yeah, I can't read that. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how this goes. So I just started stalling. I said... Thank you for watching Good Morning Tampa Bay. It's now five minutes after five. Just a reminder, you know, we're streaming on Hey, Here's some great video behind me. Take a look at it. I'm just like hoping. Come on, flip, flip, prompter, flip, flip. It didn't. I'm like, look at this video. Tell you what, why don't we zoom in and take a look at this video? You know, and then that's the point where I walked away back to the desk and picked up the screen. (laughs) So I just just stalled and stalled and stalled and stalled. Um, The one thing as a a former sports guy that I remember uh, being a really good skill set, that I learned from somebody, again, much better than me, was just to have a lot of knowledge of what you're talking about and do your best to do that. So when you're reading stories in the morning, a lot of times I'm going through, I'm reading a lot about it. If it's our top stories of the morning, you know, I'm reading different print articles. I'm watching videos that other reporters did, especially sometimes if it makes national news, I'm always watching the national network. I'm watching what our What our team of reporters did the night before on that story. I'm just learning. I'm just consuming a lot about it. That way, in case I'm in a situation where I need to ad-lib, I can ad-lib with some information that's important and valuable to the viewer, and I'm not wasting anybody's time. That's important with sports kind of the same thing goes yeah. you know so when prompter would go out or we'd be live out on the field where we wouldn't have prompter right. and I would have some knowledge of well I can tell you all about the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. <laughs> I feel great about this we don't have, I don't have any script or anything but here let's go yeah. you know right. and I can I can ramble right through and get you some valuable information and get myself out of the shot yeah. and not look like a fool yeah so that's important to go in this particular situation I saw the video and it wasn't clicking in my brain that fast what we were talking about. And I'll freely admit that. When I got back to this and I saw what the story was, I picked it right back up and, and we could get out of there unscathed. Yeah. Look, again, it's a four-hour show. Right. You know, we're on well, three hours, five to eight, seven, eight, just on the app. And then we go back on ABC from nine to ten. Look, they're not all going to be home runs. It's what you do after those mistakes that makes you. It's like it really is... To use a, another sports analogy, it really is like being a pitcher on a mound, and I used to be one, and I wasn't very good, and I gave up a lot of runs, a lot of hits, a lot of home runs. But one thing I did understand is how you carry yourself after all those, after you're getting shelled out there. If you can still carry yourself well, you're going you're gonna to be okay, everything's going to be all right. If you hang your head and give up, it's only going to get a lot worse for you. The same thing goes in anchoring. It's really what you do after the mistake that makes the difference. You know, if you flub a word or say something, fine. Find a way to get yourself out of it. Right. Words, Miko. Words. Giving me a problem this morning. Easy for me to say. Things quick like that. You can get yourself out of the situation and just move on. And and people don't think any anything of it. Yeah. It's when you stay on it and you can't get yourself out of it and you're mad at yourself or you're frustrated or you whatever. Start feeling sorry for yourself and, and you dig yourself a hole and then you, you're on the next news blooper twenty nineteen best of clip and you don't want to be there. Yeah. So
0: Last question on uh, things that people might not know: mm-hmm. Is the newsroom um, similar or anything like the newsrooms that we see on the show, the newsroom, or on the morning show, which is a new a right. Apple TV Plus uh, show? What's is it that exciting, drama filled at all?
1: <laughs> There's elements of that in those in those shows. Uh, certainly watched the newsroom. I haven't watched the morning show yet. Uh, bear with me with all the streaming things I have to buy. I just got Disney Plus, so I'm, I'm catching up here. Uh, there's elements of it. I would say that when we have interns come in, I think they're right away a little taken back that it's not as intense as the drama shows project it to be or portray it as, I should say. But there are elements where it gets a little crazy sometimes. Um, I always tell when people want to come in and watch the show, but um, they will message me or shoot me an email, hey, I'd love to come in and tour the studio or whatever else. And we do have tours for groups and we let people come in. I always tell them, I'm like, go back in our master control center, watch our producer who's sitting back there calling the shots, watch our director who's punching up the next camera thing, watch our technical director who's pulling up the live shots and making sure that that's all set to go, watch all that happen behind. And then us on little monitors doing the stories and what's going on in the air. It's way more interesting for you than being out in a studio that's really quiet and just one person reading. It doesn't. It's not the same as when you are watching it on TV. You don't hear the music, the bumper music. You don't hear the natural sound and the video and things like that in the studio. We hear it in our earpieces. You don't hear it when you're standing in the, in the studio. So... It's a much different experience. Yeah. Master control is where to be. That is the place to be okay. in the control room okay. to sit and watch and take it in and see what goes on. As far as the newsroom, when breaking news comes in, yeah, sure, somebody shouts it. Some reporter shouts back. Yep, I'm on my way. That happens every once in a while, of course. But it's if you go in thinking that you're going to see the next Jeff Daniels character <laughs> or whatever his name was, yeah. you, you know, strutting around and barking orders, and nah, you'll be you'll be gravely disappointed. Okay. it's not like that.
0: Okay. No. so in the current climate in the nation right now what are mm-hmm. some challenges uh, you face as the media
1: well it's easy to see why trust is wavered uh, I mean I, anybody can put on two different 24 hour network news operations and it's like you're, it's like we're living in two different countries yeah. you know it's just two, it looks like two different things are happening uh, locally it tends to be different though I mean there's a lot of a lot less editorializing locally than on the 24 hour news stations for one um, I like to Uh, give people what they need in Bay Area news. Because if somebody has interest in those types of topics that's where they're going to be watching and that's what we need to understand. Um, But TV is really subjective. I'm reminded of a, a quote Jay Leno gave when he was about to retire from The Tonight Show for the second time I guess. And he said that if somebody tells me I stink and if somebody tells me I'm great they're both right. And that's kind of how I feel a lot of times when I get through with a show and I have some viewer messages or whatever else and some are good. Most are good, thankfully. Again, very grateful for that. Some aren't. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have to do this my way.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: the way I know, the way I've had success. Yeah. You know, the way that's that's won me an Emmy Award, the way that's won me AP awards, the, the way that's gotten me to where I am now. I'm gonna do it my way. Yeah. And I'm still doing it my way because I think the majority of people like it. Um, but yeah, that's a challenge. It is a challenge to stay within yourself and everything else. Um, but com- com, you know, to combat that, as you mentioned, how do you, if, if people have lost trust in it, you have to give people what they need locally here. You just mentioned traffic and weather. How important traffic is to you, right? That's important. That's always something you're going to need. Now, whether you get it off of the television or you're getting it off of a smart device as you walk down your high-rise apartment, Miko. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that's going to. I mean, I believe you're going to be more and more getting it off of the smart devices or whatever. But, um, you know, that's you combat it by by being a, a trusted source for news locally. That's what we are. We're Tampa Bay's news station. Yeah, that's what we are. And so we need to give people what they need around here. Yeah. you know.
0: What makes you um, trustworthy?
1: well I mean I have to trust that the majority of my audience will see me as that credible voice that's important uh, I think it starts with being a person first and a person on a news desk reading a prompter second um, or when I go out look, we went to we did the story on the food bank yeah uh, Feed St. Pete yeah. and I came out and was, it was grateful that you you know had me out there yeah geez James can you say grateful one more time in this interview <laughs> put the camera down we talked for a while yeah just like when you had me up here in your in your beautiful place, you know, you we sat and we talked about sports for yeah. forty five minutes before yeah. you turned the microphones right. on. Right. We're not. You're not. You didn't shove this in yeah. my face and yeah. say, "Give me content." Right. Um. Just like I didn't come in. Well, my camera guy Jason came in. He's cool. We just we just all talked about right. what we're gonna. Hey, how do we want to do this? What do we want to? Okay. So what do you want to talk about? You want us to spotlight? Okay, great. Well, we can do that. And then you had that wonderful uh, woman come in who was a, a great grandmother who yeah. received. Uh, food on a weekly basis from you and uh, she and I just talked about her grandkids talked about how she's going to watch the new Joker movie with her grandkids I said it may not be a great idea but if that's what you want to do this afternoon but whatever it was being a person first and a person with a camera and a microphone second you know I'm exactly who I I am exactly off air who I am on air I am not faking anything I am being myself that's what I want to do I always want to do and if you want to spend time with me, great, I hope you do. Because yeah. I want to prove to you that I'm, I'm a pretty okay person to spend some time with every morning. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of people wake up with me. Yeah. It's a weird thing to say. That is a very strange it's thing. A very strange thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't get tired of saying it. Yeah. That's, I think that's it. I think that's the answer there. Yeah, It's, it's not one thing you can do. It's being yourself, yeah. you know?
0: Is there a uh, journalist or anchor who impacted you to be who you are today?
1: thought about this one. You get some great questions, Miko. You really did. And I had take some notes here because I didn't want to miss anything. Not necessarily. I get great advice from both my parents. I always, call, I always call my parents and ask them questions. And they both give me great answers. I had an anchor at Fox 23 in Tulsa when I went out there. And I was doing sports. And I had to fill in as a news reporter. And Clay came over and he actually sat right next to me at my desk and said, You should consider news. It's like, I see something. And you know, for somebody, I was in my early early 20s, and for somebody that you, you know, at the station who was like the face of the station to come over and sit next to you and tell you, yeah, I see something, you should really consider this, stuck, stuck with me, I really did. I was uh, turned down for a job in Baltimore, and the news director there told me that uh, you're not going to get anywhere unless you write news. <laughs> you see the trend here? But it all stuck with me. She said, I'm just, I just don't, you're not good enough as a sports guy, but I think that if you bring some of that moxie, you've got some of that personality into news, into news anchoring or maybe a feature reporter or something, there might be something. Rob Hanrahan, our main anchor at CBS 21. Another trend. The main anchors. I always would gravitate to them because I looked up to him so much. He was really mu- very much a mentor to me and wouldn't be afraid to tell me when I messed something up. I remember writing, I had to write a script for Rob one night and he threw it back at me. <laughs> he said, this is a terrible tease. Said, this is terrible. He threw it at me. I'm like, okay, I'll go back and try it again. <laughs> and I wasn't mad at him for it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm glad he was honest with me. He'd tell me if I stunk. He'd tell me if I was bad anchoring sports. He said you were bad tonight. You tell me that was bad when I was filling in anchoring news. I said you were bad. You didn't do that, right? Yeah. Why didn't you read that script like that? Why didn't you let that why didn't you tweak that before you went on it? Why didn't you change that? Yeah. I was glad I had somebody like that to tell me. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. my because your parents and Nana, when she's not watching the competition, <laughs> she wasn't gonna tell me that either. Right. So that was important. That was important to have somebody like that. Yeah. You know, and I I just I care a lot about. what's happening and impacting here but I'm driven to be myself out there I want to make that very clear you know I'm not emulating anybody you know I I do watch my stuff back and I get advice from people much better than me which there are many one I sit next to every day Um, but I want to be myself like that's that's the key and if it clicks great and whatever I'm always trying new things I'm trying new things to pop on all the social media platforms I'm trying you know it doesn't always stick a lot of it doesn't but I'm just going to keep Keep trying different stuff and see. See what happens.
0: Yeah. I um in listening to you, I was thinking about when I was a kid. So I've always admired uh anchors. I just I don't there's just something about that that career that uh speaks to my It's a weird career. Yeah, it's strange though. It's it it, yeah, it is it is different. Um and I remember, you know, nine eleven and uh you know I've I've always grown up on uh World News Tonight. And so Peter Jennings was uh, anchoring that night. And Mm -hmm. I remember uh, he cut to, there was a choir in England and they did, they performed the national anthem, the United States national anthem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did that, came back to to Peter and he was crying Mm -hmm. and could barely get words out. And that moment sticks out for me. Uh, mainly because it was the first time that I, we were all emotional that, that, that evening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's the first time that I saw an anchor mm. show that, and I don't know if he was even able to, um, he would be able to stop that, mm. you know, if he tried. Uh, but it's the first time that I, that I was able to see that. And then my wife and I, we actually now watch uh, World News Tonight with David Muir, uh, and that is our, our, our evening show that we watch. and uh, Which makes sense
1: because I know what your morning news is. So yeah, It's yeah, right. good. Yeah, it's great.
0: <laughs> right. And so at the end of the show, he always uh, does kind of a feel-good piece. And yeah. uh, it really just leaves us in a place where we feel like we know him. We we know nothing about David. Right, 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 right. But it just feels like there's a connection that's there. Mm-hmm. and. And you could feel the sense of uh, responsibility he feels as he's anchoring the evening news. Yeah. And so I think there's a, um, I like anchors who feel that and who can portray that and I can feel that through the television uh, the television screen. That's good. You ever feel like um, that, res- that kind of responsibility, the responsibility of knowing what you're bringing to Tampa Bay uh, that trust, that uh, that integrity, do you ever feel like, um, or I'll ask it this way, do you think about it often or do you feel like it's just a natural thing you go through?
1: We think about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, again, great advice I got from someone who was much more accomplished and better than me. If you know, It's a story about race, religion, or politics. Don't ever, 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 ever give your two cents on it. It's just a, it's just not any territory you want to be in. Now you mentioned, you know, is there is that? Do I think about that? Yeah, I think I think about it a lot, and I'm I'm very happy that I get a chance to go out and every couple of weeks I turn a feature story on something with the central focus being inspirational. Yeah, because when I go and talk to groups of people and I love asking the question, okay, how many people think that there's too much bad stuff in the news today. And, you know, oftentimes the majority of the room is raising their hand. And I'm like, great, that's exactly the response I wanted. And then I go through and I list the last four feature inspirational stories I did. I give a synopsis of each one. I said, that's the last two months. Could you imagine what I can tell you in 13 years? There's lots of great things in the area. We have a a we have a, a, an oath we take and we have a, a duty to bring you the news that is impacting the area negatively or positively. Um, but I know that there's wonderful people out there doing wonderful things. We have a feature reporter, Sean Daly, on our show who does that three to four times a week. He, he, he spotlights those people. I get the opportunity to do that. Dia does a segment on what's good in our schools. Um Sarah talks about, a lot of times she goes out and does stories on positive things that are happening in, with infrastructure. You know, what's happening on the roadways. things that are, We drive Tampa Bay forward. It's one of our initiatives. Driving Tampa Bay forward. One of our pillars. Lauren Rosella, our reporter. Can I name drop anymore? Um, she will, you know, we open up our tip line and we let people write in about things that are bugging them. Maybe it's a stop sign that shouldn't be where it is. Maybe they need a stop sign. Maybe the speed limit's too high. But we look into every single tip and we get the county municipality that pertains to working on it. You know, that's good. That's what a news station should be doing. You know, we should be going out there and doing things to help you. I mean, honestly, I mean, people act a lot of times like you know we don't do enough, and that's our kind of our our steps we take to try and do something to help yeah. people. You know, that's that's important. Um, there was something I was going to say. Oh, okay, I got it okay I got you. you mentioned do I think about that the, cred- the credibility the trustworthiness like all that stuff okay so you see a lot of anchors um, maybe weather people maybe they're morning anchors or, or weather people and you see the viral videos that are going around where they like to dance or they do goofy stuff or they <clears throat> they, they I don't I don't know they do the the, the dab challenges or, or whatever I'm not that guy okay because I can do, I mean, Greg and I will, little jokes back and forth, little, little fun quips, little whatever. But that's just like a regular conversation. You and I, when we talk for an hour, we're going to have serious stuff. We're going to have lighthearted stuff. Um, but with anchoring, the same thing applies. But I'm not going to be your dancing guy yeah. and then expect you to trust me. In the top of the hour, I have to give you the top five stories yeah. of, the, of the morning. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, if, if other people can, power to them. But I look at that and I say, no, 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 no. That hurts credibility. It's not. It's not good. Now, in my social media platforms, I'll give you a glimpse into my personal life yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I showed you my brother got the drone for Christmas. Right. I had the post. You saw that. Right. It was really neat. Yeah. Um, and on my Facebook page, positivity is my thing. It's all going to be. I put funny signs up, things like that. That's me. This is stuff I find funny. If you find it funny, great. Check it out. Yeah. Okay, that's what I want you to do with it. Yeah. Same thing on Instagram or Twitter. It's just I'm just giving you a little glimpse, but things I find funny or find interesting, I'm going to share on there. Right. And that's that's what I do with that. But you got to be really careful about that stuff. I think you know things you say, things you're also putting on social media, things you're doing. You know, you gotta you can't talk out two sides of your mouth. You know, you've got to be the trustworthy source of information for people, and don't do things that might jeopardize that trust. Right. There you go. That's what I was trying to say.
0: That's good. So as we wrap up, I just have a few more questions for you. Uh, What's a story that you reported on that stands out to you the most? You know, okay,
1: so you get desensitized a lot. Uh, I mentioned four hours of anchoring a day. That's 20 hours a week. Uh, It's no excuse, but anything that has shaken me from that and really sticks with me and, and, you know, jolts me a little bit. There's the story where I got my dog, Dusty, when I was in Tulsa, nine years ago, um, almost nine and a half years ago to the day, I was doing a story on an overcrowded shelter, and I, I made the mistake of asking them if they were a kill shelter, and they said they were, and I had no intentions to get a dog, none whatsoever, but when they told me that, and then they showed me the wing of the dogs that had been there the longest, uh, and I saw Dusty, I spelled the paperwork, and I brought him home the next day, and now I have a dog, I've had a dog, and he's the best thing I ever did. There is the story I did here in Tampa Bay about Loft 181, which is the consignment shop that allows girls in foster care to come in and get clothes. They can take as much as they want. And one girl came in. Her name was Precious and made such an impact on the lady that started Loft 181. She adopted her. Oh, wow. It's a phenomenal story. Yeah. It's great. And Precious is this full of gusto, hilarious, like just wonderful, wonderful girl. Yeah. And then you have like this well-kept, you know, kind of private yeah. lady who owns this consignment shop yeah. and they're a perfect match. Yeah. It's wonderful. The other one, when I was doing radio at York College of Pennsylvania and I did my radio show, there was only one person of any with any credibility that would call in and give us a time of day and he was a reporter for the local newspaper. And Steve Navaroli used to call us. Monday nights at 5.30 without fail. We run from 4 to 7. And Steve would call us and give us the rundown on local stuff. And he did that for three years. Three years. I get to Harrisburg. I read an article in the Daily Record. And Steve wrote a quick little editorial piece. That he was battling throat cancer. And then. as And I, I, I made note of it. And I, I'm sure I reached out to him. Because Steve and I did stay in contact. But then, I see somebody running down, it's weird how, it's funny how things work sometimes. Everything happens for a reason. Driving down the street, and someone's jogging past me on the street and they're wearing a shirt that says Navaroli Nation on it. Like his last name and the word nation underneath. And here, it was a kid who was a local swimmer who Steve used to cover. And they started making these shirts and selling them and they were gonna give all the profits to his family to help him pay for treatment. And I profiled that story, and it was wonderful. Would have never known that was happening if I hadn't. That kid hadn't run past my car and didn't. He didn't know. I mean, how would he know? That Steve made a big impact on me by giving me the time of day when I was a college student, and he. It was great. And Steve, he won. He beat. He he beat it, and he and he's he's been in remission, uh, and he's doing terrific. Um, So that's a good. That's that's good. That's good stuff too. Those types of things. I covered a, a wheelchair basketball team and uh, I knew very little about wheelchair basketball and I thought that they um, just did it you know to show that if you're in a wheelchair you can still play basketball really well um, we went out there and they kicked my butt and they did these like trick shots and they rolled the ball up the wheel and they were shooting three sitting down I couldn't even shoot from the foul line sitting down and have enough strength and they beat us badly they beat uh, uh, and then I realized they were all really paralyzed. That had a very that had a, a, a real impact on me because I thought that they were just a team and they would sit in the wheelchairs you know kind of a foolish thing to think but when I saw that and I realized oh my god they're fantastic athletes and they and, and none of them can walk yeah that's terrific yeah. I, I love that I profiled them and, and you know I mean that was again little things like that along the way that have have really stuck with me because it shakes you from you know the norm and it's stuff that it sits really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What are you obsessed with right
1: now? Rewatching *Sopranos* episodes okay. for like the fifth time. Uh, my dog. Uh, wondering how in the world I'm going to do everything I need to. Moving into a new home next week. Uh, that's <laughs> that's that's an obsession. Uh, I am. Um, that's a that's a tough one. I uh, I think I, I'm I'm beginning to become uh, uh, really obsessed with all of these movies, TV shows, and everything that we can access the way we can access them now. I mean, we we are such an on-demand population, aren't we? And I and you know, when you were a kid, when I was a kid, I mean, when we got a new VHS tape, or when there was a movie on TV and you'd look forward to it for six days, you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that new Disney movie is going to be on ABC on Saturday night. I'm not going to miss it. Right. And now... I just pop into my Google machine a movie and put streaming behind it and it can tell me what service it's, it's streaming on I can, oh okay I have that and I can just pull it up and go yeah. and it, that's I'm just I'm obsessed with how much content's out there original content good shows really good really good stuff well written things um, and that's you know that, that's that's great I, I'm a big movie buff I, I really I, I love I love movies and old movies and, and uh, some of the good dramas and things you, you find on Netflix and Amazon um, so, yeah, that's, wish I could give you a better, more interesting answer, but no, it, just, it just blows me away. I mean, how, many, how much stuff is out there? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And we were talking about sports yeah. Yeah. and how we're two-screen, three-screen people now. Like, you always have your phone up, your iPad, or whatever else. Yeah. So, you really, sitting through a three-hour baseball game, you really you can't, it's hard to do it now. Yeah. But binging Netflix shows through the first season, like that Paul Rudd show that's on. You know, everyone I talk to is like, yeah, we knocked that out in a day. I'm like, me too. Yeah. It's like five and a half hours of content and you just, we just roll through it. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it really is. Yeah. I am
0: set, as of last night, I'm 80% done. I started two days ago uh, with the second season of um, Lost in Space. Yes. I mean, it just premiered and I'm mm. almost done. I have three more episodes. That's awesome. Left. Yeah. That's just who we
1: are. That's who we are. And you're going to knock it out. Yeah. You're going to get to Oh, it. yeah, today. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> exactly. There you go. I'm going to go home and I'm going to finish season four of The Sopranos. Yeah, 20 years too late, but it's a good show. Yeah. So I'm going to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, what is beautiful in your world right now?
1: <laughs> my family. Um, my dog. Uh, feeling great about staying put in Tampa for a little while because I've always, it seems like every two to three years, well, it was, every two, three years I was moving, yeah. leaving somewhere. And that's not going to happen here. I'm going to be here for a little while. And my, my, my motto for 2020 is 2020 vision. I just want to have vision on everything. I've made, I make mistakes all the time. I make mistakes in my personal life, certainly make them in my career, uh, at my job. Things I wish I could do differently, I get home. Um, I've made mistakes as recently as, a, you know, this, this month. Things where I wish I could take back and, and whatever else. And uh, I just want to have better foresight into every decision in the new year. That's, that's a big goal for me, you know, and make, and, and, and really feel great about as many things I possibly can, but understanding, you know, consequences, if I do this or do that or do that, um, I think we all need a little bit of that sometimes, just the power to think ahead, you know, and just chill and just, and and really think about the decisions that you're making. It's, it's, uh, it's important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I won't ask them. No, no, no. But, um, well, I mean it's it's a matter of like, you know, I told you I went through the whole home buying process yeah. and I did my best to have a lot of foresight into, okay, well if I you know if I do this, this and this, and if I you know I make the it's just a, such a huge it's the biggest purchase you're ever you you're making in your life. You know. And I wish a lot of for a lot of the the parts of it, this is what I'm really pertaining to. If I could just go back and you know have another month or if I could go back and I would have done this differently. But you can't, so.
0: Right. Yeah. If you had one minute mm. to address the world, which this question I ask on every single episode. Uh, so it's really interesting asking you this question because you do address uh, a great number of people. But if you had. Small little chunk of our world. <laughs> to address the entire world, everyone was paying attention to you, no distractions. It's just you and the world. What would you say to every single person on the planet?
1: Life's too short. I lost two friends recently to cancer uh, in the last couple of years. And they were both in a lot of pain in their final days. So now I believe, of course I believe both are in a better place right now. Of course I do. But I often think about what either one wouldn't have given to be in my shoes on one of my worst days. than where they were as cancer caused them all this horrible, horrible pain. Life's too short. It's too short to be cynical, too short to be hateful, too short to be spiteful. I've always believed in making my own luck by setting goals, believing in yourself, never taking shortcuts, sacrificing, lifting others up, not tearing them down, and working hard. And there are moments that define you, and there are times that you define the moments. That's what I want.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Altitude Collective podcast. Refresh your feed this week for a new The Lookup, our short Friday episodes checking in with previous guests. This week's episode will feature Brad Gray, and you will not want to miss that. Until then, do me a favor, share this episode. In fact, share this show with all of your friends. Then jump on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rate and review the show. By doing that, you are helping the show get seen and heard. And thank you so much for doing that. I'm thankful for the time you spent listening to today's podcast episode. I do not take this for granted. Until we chat again, elevate your conversations.